withholding anything from us. Amen. No good thing. Uh, so that's from Psalm 8411. It says, The Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. So <clears throat> I know that sometimes we are tempted to believe that God is out to get us. There's something against us. Something's wrong with the relationship. Something's amiss. Something's not right. Um, and this is a temptation that everybody has. There's a temptation that comes to us because in the natural man, there is a sense of urgency. There's a sense of, um, I guess, impatience, abruptness. And it, it really stems from the fact that your carnal man knows his time is limited here. See, your spirit man is aware of eternal life. So your spirit man is never pressured by time. He's never pressured by anything. Because his understanding of life is that it goes on forever. Oftentimes when we're aware of time, it is because our carnal man has engaged himself in our spiritual decisions. Hmm? So, and we have to be careful about that. Now, there are times when God will will call time on us, but that's because He can speak from both realms. He's in touch with with the overall plan. So, if you're the great architect of something, you know that there's a schedule and a sequence through which everything is done. And you have to have certain people at certain places in order for everything to function correctly. So as far as <coughs> connections and uh, um, uh, appointments and things of that, God is the appointment keeper. Is, he's not concerned with time as it's, as it's moving by. He's concerned with time as it functions to get things done. So there are, there are, are uh, phrases in the Bible that talked about the fullness of time. In the fullness of time, God sent this. And, and in the, the realm of time, he sent that and so forth and so on. And so if we understand that God works in the fullness of time concept, you'll know that he's still speaking from eternity. See, in the plan of eternal things, he is speaking that we have to have you move now to get certain things accomplished or they won't things won't run smoothly as far as the eternal plan is concerned and so these are are things that we have to <coughs> keep in mind that God will uh, know the times. He knows times and seasons. So he is a seasonal timekeeper more than anything. Uh, certain things have to be uh, certain work accomplished in certain season. If it's a planting season, uh, he has to have servants to plant. If it's a watering season, that has to be done, etc., etc. So he's more task-oriented and season-oriented than he is clock time-oriented. Uh, your carnal man is very much aware of clock time because he's never on time for anything. You ever notice that about life? 
when you're young and you got a lot of energy, you don't have much wisdom. So you waste your energy doing foolish things. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, people like when they get older, especially people who haven't been, uh, you know, good stewards with mostly anything. And, and it's real easy to be a bad steward of everything that comes into your life because you don't know how to cooperate with life and cooperate with with what's going on in life and so many times if you can be a a wise person and a peaceful person you can pick up on how to be a good steward and a good manager over everything that comes into your life. Uh, if you're not, then you'll mismanage everything. But many times when people get older, they, well, gosh, I wish I had known what I know now. And then they'll start wanting to share their wisdom with everybody falls on deaf ears. So you realize that the generation that's your age where you wish you had known what you know now so you could help yourself they turn a deaf ear to the wisdom too. You think to yourself, hmm, there's probably somebody that was in my life that was trying to help me and I didn't listen. Got me? And so this is a common, uh, there's, there are songs have been made about this. You know, one song would say youth is often wasted on the young, you know. And uh, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's true, really. Because, you know, as you get older, you look and you say, man, if I had some energy, I'd get up and move that thing like I used to do stuff. And you you just can't do it anymore. And so these are things that that come with the fall. They come with fallen man. There are regrets about how we've spent our time and resources. There are, and this is an attitude and a spirit, I think, because I've seen young people that have thrown in the towel and they're like in their 20s i would hear and i think it was somebody in the family would say well i didn't go to school and i think man you're you in your 20s what do you mean you didn't go to school you better go (laughs) you know what's wrong with you if you want to do it let's go do it you know and so this is the thing though about the carnal man he's always the carnality makes a person feel impotent uh easily defeated um you know if a challenge comes they already think they can't do it or something that's carnality carnality is prone to failure your carnal man knows he's he's failed because really when you come into a knowledge of christ you know that you're dead to sin and alive to righteousness so that man that you used to be is already dead except that in your soul he lives he can challenge what you you know and what you believe because the 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 remnants of your carnal life are still there in your soul to a degree that's why the bible tells you to renew your mind in the word of God renew uh, the old man renewed uh, into righteousness renewed into believing God's word only and not believing what else comes into your mind you know and so that's how you beat that thing is you got to come out of that and and sacrifice feeling in the flesh that certain ways about things you know it's a sacrifice you you slaughter your flesh to those things 
Sometimes we want to feel wise in our own eyes. And you got to slaughter that thing. And wait for God to, to give you wisdom. Wait for God to speak to you. You know, sometimes I can remember when I was a, a kid. And, and, you know, but, you know, when you're a smart kid, you make a lot of enemies, too. You know, people don't want to hear you telling them stuff and all of that. But there would be something in me just just longing to say something. And I remember thinking to myself, I said, well, that's what you, sometimes that gets you into trouble. So why don't you just tone it down <laughs> and wait for, wait to go on Jeopardy before you share your, your minutia, you know. <laughs> There's places where they do pay for that and it ain't here. And and so you have to learn how to be a person that can be relatable. Other people can relate to you and, and uh, you can share <laughs> things with people and not always want to, you know, be everybody's teacher and dictator and all that kind of stuff. And so it, it's, it's something that we have to uh, understand your carnal man is always wanting to express himself, wanting to exalt himself and be known and be seen. But, you know, you got to kill that. You know, you got to cut it off and say Mm-mm, nope we're gonna obey god here we're gonna humble ourselves to god and stay humble when i first came in to know god i thought to myself i said well how i'll do this until i get well you know your carnal mind's always you know i was in the word and i enjoyed being in the word but then there was something that nagged me about it you know, you know how you can be enjoying God, and then you get in a different mindset, or some your mind clicks over, and and then something wants to rob you of that time. You know, and say, oh, you don't have to do that. And, well, you know, look at how long you've been doing that. And, you know, it's time for a break now. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I mean, the, the devil, your mind will just rob you if you let it. And so, you know, those things you have to fight. You have to fight them on as small things. You know, and. Most people don't think it's anything with taking a break from the word or something. But if your your flesh is craving it, you better not obey him because he always wants more time, more energy, more stuff. And so your carnal man is the one who's always thinking God's up to something no good. You know, God's never quite on your side. Well, you know, he's on your side some, but you better not do this or you're going to find out, you know, that kind of stuff. Very suspicious about God. Very suspicious about God's motives. Suspicious about whether God will do things continually. You know, well, it's like, you know, you got somebody you got to wrestle down for something and, you know, you pinned him down this time and stole something from him, but you better not try it again. You know, because he's on to you kind of thing. And so there's always this nagging temptation in the flesh to falsely accuse God and to indict him. And if we're religious, we'll do it in a roundabout sneaky way. We'll say, what did I do wrong? (laughs) Trying to make it sound legit. When really what you really want to know is why won't God give it to me now? Why is he not giving it to me? Why is he withholding from me? So I'm here to tell you today that God will is not withholding anything from you. In fact, he is the one that has given us all things already. He was the one that brought up the fact that he would provide for you. So if he was the one that thought it up and brought up the fact of his provision, why on earth would he change now and say, I'm not going to give it to you? Huh? 
So the yes and amen must come from us because God's already offered it to us. See? So your quest then is to stay in the yes and amen column. Huh? Say, rah, rah. Okay, yes, amen. I want it. Bring it here. Give it to me. I want it. Oh, no, no. That's the way you got to stay. When when Oral Roberts and, and uh, Brother Hagen would say Brother Hagen would say keep the switch of faith turned on. Oral Roberts, get your expectors out. Huh? They knew that there was a faith positioning for us. Oral Roberts would say, "There's a miracle going by you every minute, a miracle coming toward you, and a miracle going by you every minute." Now, why would he say something like that? Was he just making something up or trying to exaggerate to make us think that God really wanted to do something for us? Or was he doing that by revelation? Did he understand how easy it is to receive from God and he was trying to communicate to us? And I think that's really what he was doing. Because he knew God as a good God. He knew God as a God who answered prayer. He knew God as a God who would open blinded eyes and make crippled walk and and build a a hip socket and all that kind of stuff. uh, Where a minute ago there was a sick person there. So he saw miracles coming and going all the time. He just wanted people to know to get to expect to receive them. And stay in faith so that when that miracle came to you, your faith could pull it into your life and it didn't just pass you by because you're thinking God's not doing anything. That's that's our biggest problem. When the carnal man kicks in, we think God's gone. You know, sometimes when you things aren't going well, I used to to uh, look at my life sometimes and I say well this is a comedy of errors if ever I've seen one I mean if it weren't happening to me I'd sit back and think this was a cartoon man you know and so it was <laughs> you know one thing after another after another after another after another and and so you you look at it and you say to yourself man I better step out of this mm-hmm. you can do it walk in the spirit and get out of the flesh because your flesh will get overwhelmed with what you see. Your flesh won't be able to come up with an answer for anything. Your flesh will condemn you to that's going to be your life forever. And so if you don't watch yourself, you're still buying into that. And your life won't change because it can change right now if you'll step over into the spirit where you belong. That's where you're supposed to be all the time and not giving in to carnality. Learn the ways that the enemy ensnares you. Learn your personal weaknesses. And guard yourself in those areas. That's just good maintenance. You know, it's, we're not supposed to go through life just, you know, in a bubble, like in pretending that we don't have any temptations or any weaknesses. But we're to know those things. And know our own frame. Know know the things that cause us to veer off of where God wants us to be. And then we guard ourselves accordingly. You know, we, we manage ourselves accordingly. And so if we will do those things, then we will find uh, our great God is there. You can hide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
because you need a hiding place, folks. I don't care how how great you are, or how great you think you are, how wonderful you think you are. You need a hiding place because this is a tough world. And if you could understand the assignment that's against the the people of God, you know. Uh, now I just know parts of it, the part that's revealed to me. But I know there are hidden dangers because the Bible speaks of those things. There are things that are unseen that come against us. There are snares that are set for us. And so you have to understand that that guarding your heart is a way of life. You have to understand that uh, knowing that when you're overwhelmed with things, there is a hiding place for you. There is a place in the realm of the spirit where you can abide with God. So that you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, why is that important? Why is it flesh and spirit? Let's talk important. Flesh versus spirit. <laughs> well, you don't want to sow to the flesh because you have to reap that. So you you want to make sure that you maintain healthy uh, um, um, activities in your life so that you can always expect good. Because if you've been sowing to the flesh, you got to expect some, some bad things to happen because that's you can't mock God like that. You can't pretend that he won't let you just reap if that's what you like to do. You know, he'll let you enjoy it, won't he? And so we have to understand that God wants us to maintain a position in the spirit so that when we go expecting, we only expect good things. We only expect good things. Don't feel condemned when something happens to you that's not pleasant. They come to all people. The Bible says that these things are common. You're this isn't you're not being singled out and picked on for some reason, you know. These things are not extraordinary. They are common. And so you have to see what's happening to you as something that happens to everybody. Don't you dare let the devil make you exclusive in your disappointment. Don't don't let him make you exclusive in the way that you view things. You have to get a word from God and a vision from God of coming out of that. You need it right there in your trouble. You don't need to stew in that. And then wait for somebody to come pull you out and you come out reluctantly, you know, and fight your rescuer because you just have gotten so used to it. You know, they used to talk about uh, in lifeguarding, they would teach you how to help drowning victims. And, And the first thing you have to do is disable them because they're so caught up in fighting the water and fighting death that they'll fight the rescuer as well, you see. And so I think sometimes when we get, if we allow ourselves to get mired down in discouragement and disappointment and death, you know, and somebody comes to rescue us, we'll fight the rescuer because we don't see that as help. We see it as something foreign, something that's going to hurt us because we, at that point, want to fight everything and everybody. You got me? Like there's no hope for you. And so God will rescue us, but we will have to uh, cooperate with the rescue. You got me? You know, he'll cooperate with the rescue when God comes for you. So in Psalm 84, we'll start in verse 8. I want to turn there and, and go through this scripture so that we understand what the writer here is talking about. Psalm 84. 
starting in verse 8. He says, Behold, our God, our God, our shield. Behold, our God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. I'm sorry, verse 8. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Step number one, if you get to the point where you're tempted to think God is not being fair with you, what's it taking so long, why is he withholding this from me, why can't I have it now, what are you doing God, blah, 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 you've got to make sure he's heard your prayer before you just go off and start judging God and accusing him. Go back to first principles. Go back and pray again. Go back and talk to God again. Go back and commune with God and humbly go there and petition him. Mm-hmm. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. When you call on the God of hosts, the, the Lord of hosts, that's the Lord of armies. Amen. So you need somebody to go to bat for you because you're being overwhelmed now <clears throat> with either evil report evil thinking, hopelessness, helplessness, you need God to come to bat for you in a big way. It says, give ear, O God, of Jacob. Now, Jacob was a person, the Bible says he, he was a striver with God and he prevailed. So this is somebody who's steeped in the flesh and needs to prevail over into the realm with God. You strive against your flesh and you prevail against your flesh. Got me? And so you want to prevail against your own thoughts of discouragement, so forth and so on. So you petition God again to make sure your prayer is heard. So we all do this. If we're honest, we'll admit that we'll go, God, did you hear me? I'm still here, God. I'm, you know, I, I woo, choose me. I'm your present. <laughs> wanting needing waiting <clears throat> and remind him god i still need your help in this you know and 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 that'll pay off uh, persistence always pays in luke chapter 18 we see the the uh, story of the woman who's going to a judge that isn't even right this is a corrupt judge now, when they talk about an unjust judge, they what that means is somebody who will give you a favor for a bribe. You got me? Somebody, if you ain't got no money, don't come up in his courtroom or he's going to be against you. And in Luke chapter 18 and verse 3, he says, there's in a, there's in a city, there's a certain judge. This is verse 2. He didn't fear God, nor did he regard man. So this is a man who this is a guy who is a god unto himself. Everybody's scared of him. He's got absolute power and nothing can stop him. Nothing can influence him. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him and said, "Avenge me of my adversary." In other words, there is something in my life that is against me and I need to have it removed. It's us. Whatever that situation is that you feel has been going on too long or you want to tempted to believe God's withholding from you, that situation is your enemy. That's your enemy. And you need relief. You need to be avenged. You need to be put in a place. Sometimes the enemy is us. 
that when we get to certain issues, ideas, thoughts, concepts, we huh? get all nervous, huh? shake all over. And so we, we have to understand that the enemy works within and without. Sometimes it's it's it can be a situation, but then your reaction to it on the inside is is hurtful to you. So you need a an overhaul on the inside. Plus, you need that situation to change. And often that situation will not change until you change on the inside, because what's on the inside of you is oftentimes supporting it with some measure of faith. There's something that you're believing. You're putting your confidence in the fact that it won't change. You're putting your confidence in the fact that it's going to be there. You put your com- you start now. You're starting to worship that problem rather than worship God. And so, oftentimes, if we can get down with within ourselves and examine ourselves really closely, we'll find out that we got a little something in there aiding and abetting the trouble. And so that's why it's not God's not withholding it. We're withholding it. We're the culprit. But it's not because we did something wrong. See, this is the problem. When you when your carnal mind gets involved, he gets involved on a legalistic plane. He doesn't know anything except if you do this, God will do that. And if you don't do that, he'll never give it to you. See, the whole show is canceled. Because he doesn't know mercy. He doesn't know love. He doesn't know forgiveness. Your carnal mind doesn't know anything about that stuff. Only thing you can do with him is kill him and make him die to trying to exist and run your life. Reckon him dead, the Bible says. Reckon yourself dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. So you're only allowed to live in righteousness. And so what will happen sometimes is that that carnal thinking will start to want to dominate, project, and predict. And that's why we get discouraged. Because your carnal mind's told you it's never going to happen. It's going to be a long time. God's not, you know, just he goes through a litany of lies. Mm-hmm. That become believable because of what's inside of us. It's it's connected with something on the inside of us that makes it believable. Many times God is working to heal us and undo some things when we get into situations. And we give up so quickly and so easily we don't let the unraveling start. Before we start trying to, you know, cash it all in and say it's not going to work, we'd rather just not face things than to face them in God. And the Bible says that we will not be afraid of evil tidings. Our heart is fixed trusting in God. You're not scared of bad news. When your heart's fixed, you know that is not news to God, number one. And number two, he's got a ready answer and a remedy to bring you out and bring you success in that situation. So we have to constantly pull ourselves back into faith and back into hope and back into understanding God and back into the spirit. That's going to be your warfare is working to balance yourself and keep yourself over into the realm where God abides 
and where his word is supreme and where you can believe that word and you can hold on to it and you can nail that carnal thing to the tree. That's what Calvary was all about. It wasn't just grace, grace, grace. It was about nailing your carnality. This, you got to do something with that. You don't give grace to carnality. You give it. Give you. It's given to the spirit man. Your flesh can't handle grace. God doesn't want to grace it and make it easy for your carnal man to live. So you have to reckon yourself dead to sin, and alive unto righteousness. The righteous receive the grace of God. You got me. That whole uh, uh, all the epistles are written to a spirit man, not your flesh. There's nothing in the epistles for a flesh at all it's all written to your spirit man that's why it seems so easy to receive when you read the new testament old testament will keep you bound up and acting crazy but the new will put you in a place where you can easily believe god because it's written to the born again spirit it's not written to your flesh so god wants us then to stay in faith and he wants us to persist with him. But here the, the woman who goes to this judge. Now he didn't regard man or God. He's a, he's a God to himself. And she comes up and says something like avenge me of my adversary. This man is not just. And I think sometimes we treat God that way. We come to him. You should come expecting a yes answer expecting him to say okay if your faith isn't there expect him to start to increase your faith everything that you get from God should be in the yes column there's never a no column with him if you come to him by faith in his word if you bring his word to him everything is in the yes column and so it says that she he didn't fear God or regard man and she said avenge me of my adversary and he would not for a while the unjust will not for a while, but the just will do it speedily. Hello? Hello? I said he was unjust. That's why he didn't do it for a while. He kept putting her off, telling her, no, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't have anything to do with that kind of God will never tell you that. He's not unjust. But even an unjust person... Because they're human can be worn down. Hmm? And he says here, he wouldn't for a while, but afterward he said within himself. He said, even though I don't fear God or regard men, yet because she troubles me. She's under my skin. She's bugging me. I will avenge her. So in the, in the war of words... Whoever has a stronger word and persists in it can wear down the one who doesn't want to do something. You keep preaching at the devil and see if he won't go leave you alone. He wants to try and withstand you and tell you God won't do something for you and you're not capable and God don't do stuff for people like you and look at what you did and you can't get, you know, you can't retrieve anything because you're too bad. You keep firing the word at him and see if he won't leave you alone. The devil hates the word. When he sees he can't move you and he can't use you, he will leave you alone. The Bible says submit to God. Resist him. How? With your words. You resist him with your words. 
And he says, she troubles me. I'll avenge her, lest her continual coming. This is something you do continually. You can't ask God for something and then just go away for a while and, and think it's, you know, let him work for you. You know, you have to continually remind God, thank him, and remind him with humility in your heart. God, I thank you that you've given me great provision in this life. I thank you, Lord, that you are helping me with great provision. I thank you, Lord, that provision is coming to me now. I thank you, God. And then pretty soon your mind will get what's called converted. Where for a while it might be just you talking. And halfway believing it and halfway not believing it. But after a while, your mind will get sold on the fact that God is good and he will do this for you. And he is willing and ready to do it for you in a hurry. And so you, this is what the confession is for. And this is what thanksgiving is for. It changes us. So that whatever is in you that's been thinking, God won't and a stumbling block on the inside and hindering you on the inside it will change into a God will and you start expecting God and you really have your expectors out and you know for a certainty that God is coming to your rescue and the Lord said to her hear what the unjust judge said and shall not God avenge his own elect that's you and that's me which cry day and night to him, though he bear along with them. Mm-hmm. So even if God, you feel like God is taking a long time, if you will keep it up and not quit. Faith keeps it up and doesn't quit. Sometimes we'll ask for something real quick in just an offhand way because we're scared to ask God because it's really too great for him to do for us. Oh, this is going to take a lot of work from God it's going to take a lot <laughs> and that's the way you feel sometimes when you first ask for something because you're speaking to a mountain and that mountain happens to be your insecurities your fears your weaknesses your unbelief the fact that it's new maybe the fact nobody else in your family's done that before you don't know many people who are involved in that kind of stuff that you can go to for it. will you be the first one I tell you, you will be if you go to him continually, just every day. God, I thank you for getting people into this meeting. I thank you, Lord, for showing me people to invite. I thank you, Lord, for just everything that you think that is is not possible, that hasn't happened yet. Begin to thank him for it and continually speak to him about these things. And they will happen. They will happen. They have to. Because if God's promised them, they will come to pass. But it's up to us to keep the petition. It's up to us to keep the spiritual activity. It's up to us to stay in righteousness. Don't get over into unrighteousness and start indicting God and accusing God. So, number one, your petition must be heard. You must know that God heard you. And what does it say in Philippians? Let your request be made known unto God, and then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So that peace is what you go by. If you don't have peace about something, go back and talk to God about it again. Get the deal done. Don't just live in uncertainty and discouragement and 
you know, wherever you feel like you're going to live. Don't don't settle for that. Come out into the realm of the spirit, in the fruit of the spirit, where there's love, joy, peace, and righteousness. That sounds better to me than discouragement, disappointment, and anger, and upset, and short-tempered with everybody, and chip on your shoulder. I mean, it gets worse, folks. And so you have to understand that God has a place for us to abide where uh, where there's uh, security and shelter, shelter from the bombarding thoughts of the enemy, constantly telling you what you can't do and what God won't do for you. It's taking you a long time because there's something wrong with you. Now, that's the first thing the enemy wants to say. It tell you something, something wrong with him. He's always accusing people of his stuff. And so you have to realize that this is a trick of the enemy to keep us off guard, to keep us, you know, nervous. If he can keep you from getting solid and immovable, that's what he hates. He hates adamant people. He hates the solid and immovable people. He hates the joyful people. Two things he hates. People who aren't wishy-washy and people who have joy. Hates joyful people. And so if he can get you over into the realm where you're nervous, serious, oh, woe is me. He loves that stuff. Loves it. Because he knows the power of God won't work through you. He kind of like immobilized you with that. And don't say it's just for a minute. Don't give in to that for one second. Don't you dare give in to that and make excuses for it. What's an excuse will get to be a lifestyle after a while, you know, and you'll never get yourself out. You know, it's like one more day with the frogs. <laughs> Remember that? Uh, <laughs> one more night with the frogs. Uh, what was this? Jesse Duplan has preached that, you know, about the people in Egypt, you know. it's And it's a story of people that you talk to about the Lord that don't want to get saved. Well, how's your life? Well, I could use this and I could use that. Well, why don't you get saved? Well, no, I'm not ready yet. One more night with the frogs. You got me? So we want another plague to come. We're waiting for another disaster to come because we don't want to give up, you know, what we're holding on to. With the sinner, it's easy to see that they'd be a lot better off. But when you're a believer, believers look at where they are and can always make excuses for it. It's not so bad, see? But you need to come out now. Once you're made aware that that's not God's will for you, you need to come out of that. Let's come out of it. And so, uh, and and watch your 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 spiritual atmospheres. Keep a healthy spiritual atmosphere around you. Don't gravitate to people who always want to tell you what problems are going on in their life. Dark dark conversations, I call them. And uh, you know, it, it, it's it takes courage to just stand and give a person the word when they just want to tell you how bad things are all day long you know it's just they just want to vomit all over everybody and spew out and then leave you with the mess to clean up and they move on because they they're content where they are they don't want to move on and so sometimes you just have to hit them in the face with the two by four and give them the word that's it we don't do that, you know. You know better. God, God's bigger than this, you know. We'll we'll go to God with this. This is not right, you, you know. Don't don't believe what the devil's telling you. You got to stop this. And so it's good thing to bring people over back into the realm of the spirit, so they can understand that the spirit is where they belong and abide there. So allow yourself 
to come out you know and and uh, you know sometimes you little Christian friends all they talk about is problems you know and you'll become a garbage dump for everybody's problems because you don't take a stand and make sure that you keep yourself in a healthy spiritual atmosphere because Christians love to talk about what's wrong everywhere for some reason I don't know what it is but you take a joyful Christian who wants to bless God and talk about how God's blessed them and what they're believing God for and they know it's coming soon we look at them like they're crazy where'd they come from and so we have to understand the difference. You know, we're supposed to support an atmosphere that encourages faith and encourages God, the things of God, to come forth. And that's where miracles occur. You know, miracles occur in an atmosphere that's not tolerant of a bunch of negative problems and negative expectations. So, so anyway, so the persistent person will also receive from the hand of God. Sometimes we give up. Persistence takes humility. This woman with the unjust judge was probably one of the meekest people because she kept coming back even though she was told no. And she was going to a man she knew was not right. But he was the only authority there. He knew she, she knew he had the power to give her what she needed. And so she kept going back and kept going back. That takes humility. Because in our pride we can say we don't want that. Or we don't need that. Or my life is fine just the way it is. Or it doesn't take all of that. Or why don't I have it already? I've been doing this and I've been doing that and I've been doing that. And so that's pride. Pride will accuse and pride will tend to exalt us as though we should have it already. And there's something wrong somewhere that we don't have what we need. When when you think about grace... If that's something that's been extended to you by God and it's unmerited, then how can you think that you deserve something? See, the two of them don't make sense to me. Because if you're living in the unmerited favor of God, then you really don't deserve anything. What you've done so far is just taken advantage of what's been extended to you. So that'll keep you humble if you really think about it. You know, uh, you know, p- people get disappointed about things. Well, you got to understand that some things are not appointed to you. You never had an appointment with certain things. When you think about it, did God really tell you this was going to happen and that was going to happen and that was going to happen in that order? No, we were hoping it would. See, and many times we haven't even been in faith for certain things. Where we've had a peace about it and an assurance that God would do these things. We don't even have that. But yet we'll be upset and angry and shake our fist at God if we don't have them. And we've never ever had a a covenant that guaranteed that for us. We were hoping it would happen if the truth is ever told. And so there's a lot of ways to get involved in this false disappointment or this false thing uh, where we, we waste a lot of our time being upset with God and upset with the people of God who are believing God 
You know, sometimes we don't want to get around saints who are full of faith because they tick us off. Look at them, enjoying God, and look at me over here, you know. And so we have to stop that and, and learn how to uh, receive that because that's a gift from God. Somebody who's got faith on them when you're down and discouraged, huh? But what do we do? We go find somebody who will let us talk that down stuff. And keep us down there because that's just, those are nice people to us. You know, we don't want somebody who's full of faith and will tell us just get up and get started now because you can do it. No, you can put one foot in front of the other. I can remember when I was slow about doing some things God had told me to do. And this was after my husband died. And one day he told me, he said, if you sit there any longer, the devil's going to take you over. And so I got up and moved. And been moving since. You got me? You don't have to tell me twice. I know when I've been dragging it out too long. But sometimes you get in that self-pity and you think you're the only one this ever happened to. And, and you know, and that's a lie. These things are common to man. And so God will help us to get out of that self-indulgence and self-pity and self-exaltation. And just move on and start doing what he has put us here to do. I can remember thinking to myself, you know, from time to time the thought would come to me. And I would say, I said, God, you know, people are expecting me to do this. They're expecting me to do that and expecting me to do it. And I don't feel like doing it and expecting this. I started to resent. And then God showed me. He said, that used to bring you joy. See, what's wrong with you? It, It can still bring you joy if you'll let it. You understand me? And so you have to really work with yourself, folks. This life is not going to be what you just want it to be all the time. And there's nothing you can do about it, but you can overcome it. Amen. You can ride as an overcomer through this life. And so what I had to do was change my thinking. See, it's, it's not as hard to do when you've been an overcomer and you just slip back. Because you know the, the the way, you know the drill. But if you've never been an overcomer, you can still do it. You got me? You can still find your way. And so Jesus has already warned us that we're going to get ripped off in life. You know, some things are going to happen that, you know, you had some things and, and they were taken away from you. You thought some things were going to last forever and they were very short in duration. But he reminds us that he has overcome the world. He's overcome it. He didn't tell us to overcome anything. He's overcome it. And if he lives in you, then you just yield to his life. That's all you do. You yield to the spirit of joy. You yield to the spirit of faith. You yield to the fruit of of righteousness and gentleness and peacefulness. You know, don't be a, a person that wants to strive all the time and show your anger and show your disappointment. Don't be acting out everything. Don't be a drama queen. Just allow God to help you. You know, just yield to what's on the inside of you. That superficial stuff, you know, it'll be gone very soon. Because the devil will have to flee from you if you keep living for God. And one day you wake up and then you look back. I wasted all that time being upset. I could have been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just move on. Come on, let's keep going with this. Instead of, you know, you don't have a time time to have a funeral over every 
mistake you've made. You have time to move on in God and be productive again. And so that's what you want to do. You want to prune those those vines off that aren't producing anything, you know, and and cut them off and and just get into the the vine, the the uh, the life of God <clears throat> on the inside of us. So, uh, if we will abide in Christ, then we'll think like he does and we'll think like an overcomer instead of like a victim and somebody who can't help themselves. And so faith puts us in that position. Faith puts you in a powerful position. And you'll see that uh, all of Jesus' interactions with people, all of his teachings were to put us in faith for what God is doing and what God has promised. So faith puts you in a powerful position. So we are poised to inherit the good that God has for us if we will maintain our faith position. And that's really why the devil sends us discouragement. He'll send us negative thoughts. He'll send us depressing thoughts. Because he wants to starve our faith. He wants to choke off our faith. And so he hates faith. And if he can can keep you out of that realm, then he's got you delayed anyway. You're not defeated. Because at the same time, the Holy Spirit is working to keep his covenant of peace with you. So the Holy Spirit is working to bring you peace by putting you in remembrance of the things that God's promised you. I don't care how bad a mood you get in, there will come some kind of joyful thought to you at some point. It won't last forever. And that lets you know that the things of this earth are temporary. Because you can't stay stupid forever if you've got God living on the inside of you. He'll shake you up and wake you up and you'll start to come alive to what's real. And you'll begin to understand, boy, I've been sitting here and, and, you know, I could have been doing this or I could have been doing that. You feel stupid. Well, just get up stupid and don't do it anymore, you know. But next week we'll be right back there again, you know, because we don't guard ourselves the way we're supposed to. You know, you have to put a guard over the things that are, you, you guard things that are precious. And your faith is precious. Your heart's precious. Your your spirit is precious. So you put a guard over those things and you don't let anything enter in. Now I'm not talking about being mean to people and, you know, hitting them and pushing them away and oh, get away from my faith. You can't have that faith. You know, rebuke you, Satan. Get away from me, devil. Devil, you can't steal my joy. You know, all that kind of nonsense. But you, you put the word, you hide the word in there and you yield to the word that so you fight. You fight these things with the word of God. When you the thought comes to you that you're never going to get. How many have thought like that? I know I do off and on. You're never going to. That's never going to happen. Well, devil never's a long time. But let me tell you what you're never going to do. You're never going to see heaven. You're never going to get me to serve you again. You're never going to get my kids. You ain't going to get my money. You ain't going to get my time. You ain't going to get my husband, my wife, my house, my car, my nothing. I'll tell you about never. You're never going to get that from me. Why? Because God has has protection for me 
from these things. So, Father, I speak protection over my property in Jesus' name. I speak divine. Yeah, we were <clears throat> we were sitting there with Sandy ripping up everything and running up and down and all this kind of stuff. And somebody had asked me, um, "Did you have a power outage?" And I'm saying, "No, I'll put up with that." I'm serious. You know, our lights flickered, and Rachel got excited. I said, you better not say it. I said, okay, Baba. <laughs> you got me? Oh, we don't praise the devil. We don't get excited when the lights go out. You don't. You maintain your faith, even the little ones. And if Coco gets excited, well, she barked at the, she barked at everything. Oh, we don't even know where, what plane she lives on. Our answer for everybody is she's a rescue. I know. We did a good thing, I'm sure, but you know what I'm saying. But, uh, you know, she's the only one who's allowed. It's puppy faith don't move like you. We don't, we, she don't have dominion over nothing. She's just there. But, you know, even it, with small things, you can see getting excited about something or giving uh, um, a credence to something or considering something will pull at your faith and pull it away from your position and your stand. So we had a flicker and that was it. People tell me, our, my, my electricity off was for, out for two days. It was a, We got too many freezers with, with bread for poor people. And you think I'm going to sit there and let the devil turn my lights off? Are you kidding me? We're going to have lights if nobody else does. You do what you do at your house, but i tell you what I do at mine. We're going to serve the Lord up in here. We ain't exalting the devil. And so, no, we didn't have any power outage. You know, people were talking about it like it was something, you know, just exalt. Oh, I have no power outages. We we had power here. We watched our stupid cable, which I'm still mad at them people about that. I want to get that ripped out. But uh, you know what I'm saying. It just, you have everything that you need, you know, and, and you don't lack anything. You don't just let the devil take it from you. You use your faith to withstand the onslaught of the enemy. Because if you, what you tolerate, you will eventually have to support. You start tolerating his nonsense, and he's going to send you a big bill for it after a while. You're going to have it full time, all the time, nonstop. So we stop it on the level of the lights flicker. You said, no devil, no pestilence will come nigh my dwelling. We will not have a power outage here in the name of Jesus. You pass by here in Jesus' name. That's it. And so these are things that you can do to exercise your faith on a regular so it don't get weak. You got me? You exercise your faith every day on these things so that it doesn't get weak. So we don't have power outs. People say things like, well, in my neighborhood, not mine. Mm-hmm. I live in God's neighborhood. Mm-hmm. He keeps power on all. He is the power mm-hmm. and the glory forever. So he lives in me. He does. <laughs> I'm not playing with the devil. I'm serious. Uh, don't play with him. Not at all. Yep. 
Not even a little bit. Because, you know, first it'll be your lights, and then it's your electricity, and then it's, you know, flooding, and then you'll, put it, you'll be in a disaster zone. You put up with that nonsense. So I don't, I don't play that with him. So <clears throat> my faith works through love. And when we love God, we regain our position of faith. That's how Job woke up. He kept trying to defend himself to his detractors. And that is so like what happens in our minds when we have difficulty. Your mind will accuse you, oh, if you had done this, it wouldn't be here. And if you will, I can't go back and undo nothing. But I know I can go forward in God. And Job made the statement, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He quit trying to hold on to his life under his own power. And he gave it totally over to God. And things began to turn around for him. Quit trying to defend yourself. Quit trying to answer the accusation of the devil. Well, I've done everything right, and I don't know what I've done wrong. And then, well, God, what did I do wrong? You know, the devil will keep you like you think you crazy. You'll be high one minute, low the next, faultless one minute, and I ain't cussed in so long, and I don't do this, and I don't do that, and then the next minute you done done everything. You got me? You know, I I bombed the World Trade Center. I, you know, you've done everything. I mean, he'll have you confessing the Lindbergh kidnapping and killing Jimmy Hoffa. And, you know, come on now. You'll be the worst of the sinners and unforgivable if you keep listening to the devil. First he starts trying to make you feel sorry for yourself and then he'll preach your funeral to you. So you gotta got to pull yourself out of that with the love of God and and what you start doing is confessing you love God it always starts with your confession father I love you and I thank you I thank you father that you're not withholding anything good from me I trust you Lord and I trust that you will pull me up out of the situation that I'm in and show me God what I need to do help me to stay in the right frame of mind so that my faith will work so that my confession will be good so that I'll have a heart of thanksgiving help me to stay in that place with you God and abide under the shadow of the almighty he created that place for you so that when the storms of life come you can abide under him where you can stay full of faith and you can stay full of encouragement you know when you're protected you can stay full of all good things everything's wonderful it's hunky-dory it's great you can stay hopeful (laughs) when you're helped like that and so take advantage of that get closer to God when you don't feel like he's been treating you right you know just get close to him that's that's what you do and you overcome that fear overcome that accusation and overcome what the devil's trying to say and what he's trying to do so that's how you do it you you get close to the one you think you're mad at huh yeah absolutely yep you know married people understand that you know you see you you got on the cold side of the bed you got cold side he got his cold side and Somebody finally decides to put the foot over there. Yeah. If it's just a toenail. Toenail con. Let's let's bump toenails, you know. <laughs> oh, just one, just a pinky toe. I'll take that, you know. Pretty soon it'll, that ice breaks, you know, and that, that reconciliation happens. And that's what we need to do with God. You know, it's all you just been listening to the devil's lies and 
you've let him get under your skin and convince you of something that's just not true. So faith works through love. And when we love God, we regain our position of faith. And we can believe the truth about God. That he's good. And his mercy endures forever. He's ever merciful. God, if I have done something that's put me on the wrong side, your mercy endures forever. I know that your mercy is coming toward me right now to pull me out of this place where I am. That you are my help. See, if you can go to the one that you think is unjust to you and ask him for help, it's like the lady did, you'll find that his mercy is there. She kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and finally she broke through. Amen. You don't just take no for an answer. You know. I know there were times when I, I was asking God to do things and I can look back now and see that he was working. He heard me every time. He was still working. And the more I stayed encouraged and finally I got to the place where I didn't didn't doubt certain things anymore. This doubt never occurred to me, and I knew I'd had a conversion. I knew that I had been thinking doubtful about something, like there was something there that wasn't right. I couldn't really trust God in that, and all this got, and finally got converted. And never, like if I was believing God for somebody in the family to be saved, I got to a point where the doubt never occurred to me. I just knew they were coming. I knew they were going to get there. I knew that they would confess Christ, and I knew I would see it. Not deathbed, but they'd serve God and enjoy serving him. Because I saw myself as the most blessed person in the world. I can serve God. I have peace of mind. I don't have to worry about it. And I know God wants that for them too. And you never settle for less. You never settle for this some kind of confession and you never see any fruit. That's not, there, there's no conversion. There, that's not salvation. That's not Saved people go to church, saved people pray, saved people give their money to God, saved people don't fight other saved people about serving God. They encourage you to serve God. Saved people are different. They're not that, you know, nonsense stuff. You can get through to them. And so expect that. I expected the best from my family. And the best was the relationship that I knew they could have with God because I had that. You know, it's like anything else you have. You know, uh, if you have the best of something, you want to bestow that on other per- people. If you got God in you, you, know, you don't take your leftovers and scraps and give it. And, and you know, you might look at something twice, or you know, like I go through my closet, I look at something twice. And, okay, I throw it in. You know, I mean, what is that anyway? You, you, if you're a giver and you're a person who enjoys giving, you want people to have the best. If you've enjoyed it, they can have it. You're not better than they are. And so you, you understand these things are true about relationships, relationships with God. If you have a good relationship with God, they can have it too. In fact, maybe they can learn something about God you don't know and you, you'll be richer for it, for introducing them to the Lord. And so these are things that we, we have to to understand that are part of of us when we love God. These thoughts are 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 a part of our thinking that they can have, you know, if just if they just knew God, they wouldn't worry so much. If they just knew the Lord, they wouldn't have the fears. If if they just knew God cared about them and loved them, they'd be able to get through certain things. 
And that's what you communicate to people. That's what. That's why you give them the word. That's why, you know, I bug y'all sometimes. Did it come through yet? How you doing with your prayer on this? And, uh, Pastor Bob always picking at me. Ain't nobody picking at you. I'm trying to pick them devils off of you so you can live. So you can have a good life. I enjoy it. You can have it too. I'm no different than you are. Y'all think I am, but, you know, flesh and blood just like everybody else. I struggle to hold on some days. I struggle to stay in faith some days. You know, just like you do. You know, we all got our stuff we have to do. But we can all enjoy the goodness of God. You can, we can all have that. And that's what, what my job is, to encourage you to reach for God's best and not be satisfied until you get it, till you possess it. Got me? So we need to understand that God is just and he's merciful. So when you uh, have the love of God in your heart and you start yielding to that, your picture of God changes. Then he's not withholding from you anymore and he's not your enemy and he's not telling you you can't have certain things or you can't, you shouldn't do this or shouldn't. He's not backing you into a corner with a bunch of no-nos. But he has an open hand to you. And he has a a hand of of plenty, a bountiful hand for you. That's what he wants you to have. Well, I'm not worried about abundance. I just want, well, that's your problem. You need to start talking abundance because that other stuff don't even come out of his word. He never tells you just enough. Never tells you that. When he brought them out of Egypt, they came out with a high hand and an outstretched arm. He didn't want their shoes to get muddy. You got me? He brought them out that way. Brought them out healthy and wealthy. That's where he wants, that's where he brings us all out to, is a healthy place and a wealthy place. And he places his wealth on the inside of us for a possession. He's not holding stuff out here somewhere where you can't ever get it. It's inside you already. The Bible says it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. So if the devil can keep you angry and upset, though, you'll never express that. That's what he wants to keep you from expressing God's goodness. He knows if you ever start getting smart about that, God will start coming for your words. Your words begin to be God's words. He'll move out of your way real fast. Real fast. So God's not withholding. We need to understand that. He's just and merciful. If God makes any kind of error, he errs on the side of mercy. Always on the, if he's if he's too much one way he's too much in the merciful category and too much in the loving category and too much in the goodness category. But when we judge him as unjust, that's we start withholding from ourselves. Once you understand that, when you take the luxury of of being upset with God or being judging him wrong or being angry with God or or staying in the flesh for for a long period of time then then you are the one who's withholding from yourself we think if we can get in the flesh and let everybody know we think we deserve better and we deserve more then it'll get us somewhere but that's when you're withholding from yourself the most so when you can be uh, loving and you can't exalt God and you refuse to do it, that's when you withhold from yourself. So just let the words 
come out of your mouth. Let the words of of, um, praise and the words of exaltation come out of your mouth. I can remember some years back, I made the decision that when if I would get discouraged or upset, I would just say, thank you, Jesus. What, two, three simple words? And I started making it a habit. I would find myself thinking too much or concerned too much, and I would just stop and say, thank you, Jesus. And then that became my point of contact where God would meet me. It took a while. But when I did it consistently, God saw that I was serious. And he would meet me there. And he would begin to give me more. He would begin to bless me with his presence. He would begin to um, allow me to express and exalt him and magnify him. And pretty soon, my whole soul was converted to the point where I was in faith again and I was encouraged again and, and, and I walked in the spirit again. So that began to be my point of contact where he would meet me on a regular basis. The other point of contact I had many years ago, I would want it, my husband wasn't saved and I wanted us to be able to pray together, do some spiritual. And God told me, he said, just start blessing the food when you eat. He said, I'll have him to cooperate with that. And whenever we sit down to a meal, the Spirit of God is waiting right there over the table where we, you know, it's been that way ever since before, you know, before my husband passed away, well before that time. So these are points of contact where you know God will meet you. And I can sit at that that dinner table and I'll feel the presence of the Holy Spirit waiting for us to give thanks so that he can move in and start to turn things around. We don't have trauma at the table. We don't have silent meals. We don't have shenanigans going on. It's a sanctified place. It's a sanctuary. It's a place where anybody can come and sit and feel the presence of God. And if they get out of order. Even we can have a Thanksgiving with the outlaws and the in-laws. You know. The, and the outlaws is the religious people. It's not the sinners. Okay. They pretty well behaved. It's the religious. You got to. You know. <laughs> you got to fight at my house. You know. But they come in and everybody's respectful. Uh, you know. Once or twice. Some real religious one will get out the pocket. But, you know, we rebuke them and throw them out, put them out in the cold and the snow. You stay out there. Go behave. You take that. You ain't bringing it up in here. You take it outside. Hmm? You want to make fun of God? You're not going to do it in here. Take it outside. Hmm? I don't care what they say to me, but I care what they say about God. Takes it off there. See, religious people always think you're concerned about you. When you take it off that level, they're confused and don't know what to do. So we put them out in a hurry. You know, Mac will put them out. Huh? <laughs> Man, you can't be up here and talking like that. You go Bye-bye. You know, now co-sign it. So they behave. You know, we don't have it often. But most, it's it's respectful mostly. Why? Because I'm sincere about serving God. I don't do it for an act. I live like this. I love God. He's done a lot for me and is going to do more for me. And I don't have another God nowhere that I know I can serve. So this is the way I live. I'm not putting on an act for you. You ain't nobody. 
You're just here for the free dinner. So shut up and eat your dinner and act like you got some manners. You know, you just have to to have a resolve on the inside of you that this is a sanctified place. This is my sanctuary. This is what God has given me to dwell in with him. And I invite others in to experience that. And that's what we have. And so if if you'll do these things, you'll have points of contact where God can rescue you from yourself. You know? And and out of the, the snare of the enemy, snares in your mind where he'll get your thoughts confused and turned around and, and push you to make a wrong decision if he can. So this is this is what you do. You keep yourself protected guard your heart guard your mind guard what god's invested in you it's precious so protect it and guard it and so in that way then god's always able to to contact you and and to love you and love on you and and give you hope and give you encouragement amen all right why don't we stop father in heaven we thank you for the heavenly deposit that you put in us today you've given us good things you've given us things of life that pertain to life we thank you lord for life in christ jesus it's a good thing to remind ourselves of the goodness that we have in you, the blessing that we have in you, the favor that we have in you, the understanding that we have in you. We thank you for it, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody wants a prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.